You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Year of the Spirit, Part 4. Enjoy. So I want you to know how this works. If you're new here, we have a, a simple purpose. And you can go to our website and get to know us through our website. We're still, it, it's always be updating. But um, I, I hope to release a blog here soon on our website in the next four to six weeks. Um, but it's highwaychurch.us. Go check it out, highwaychurch.us. And as soon as you'll go there, you'll see three words, growing, um, experiencing, and moving. And those three words, if you scroll down, you'll see our purpose and our vision. Our purpose is to help people enjoy a real relationship with the real Jesus. It's that simple. To enter into and enjoy every day of your life the risen Christ. To walk with him, to know him, to experience the life abundant that he came to give you. And then our vision is we see a vibrant, growing church where people are experiencing God. That's the growing, the experiencing, and moving forward in his destiny for their lives. So that's what we're all about and the way it works is the way that God set this up. He um, has a five-fold ministry calling in the earth. There are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Unfortunately, what those roles really are has been distorted and twisted by man's religion. But they're wonderful things. If you don't have any apostles in your life, you need some. If you don't have any prophets in your life, you need some. Uh, for example, Jen Tringale is a prophet. She doesn't go around saying that. That was her voice. She, you guys know her. She's been here a couple of times. And she doesn't go around saying she's a prophet, but she operates in that gift. She is a New Testament prophet. Evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So God has recalled and raised up these people to strengthen you. Amen. So when you come, that you can be built up and strengthened in the reality of what Christ has done for you. And that comes through the preaching of the message, okay? So a message isn't meant to be a clever little fun thing that you hear and go away. It doesn't change your life. It's meant to be a, a, a healing, delivering, life-changing, transforming message from heaven. And that's what we endeavor to do. Now, we, we make mistakes, but that's our heart and that's our focus. So come with me and let's receive from the Holy Spirit this morning. Holy Spirit, we purposefully give our attention to you. We forget about the things that have gone on this week. We put all of our cares in your hands, all of, any anxieties, anxieties that we may be entertaining, we cast them on you right now. We give you our hearts, we give you our minds and our attention. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lord, it is a tremendous privilege that you have asked of myself and my family and my wife and children to be vessels and help us, Lord, to impart your love and life and power and glory and truth in a way that pleases you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there is nothing uh, more fun there's nothing more efficient, nothing more effective, nothing more powerful, nothing more fruitful, nothing more productive, nothing that will produce more results in your personal life 
than following the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it this way. The only way to maximize your potential is by following the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what about so-and-so? I know her or him in this certain field, and they've won all kinds of awards, and they're doing very well, and they don't follow the Holy Spirit. They don't know Jesus. Well, understand that any gift that someone has, God put it in them. But I will tell you this. As many accolades as a person can have, they are still not maximizing their potential unless they're following the Holy Spirit. They could have won 10 Super Bowl trophies, but they're still not maximizing their potential unless they're following the Holy Spirit. And you have to be aware of that because people want to try and capitalize on your gifts. And people want to give you advice as to what you should do with your life. But the, the issue is they didn't create you, God did. God knits you together in your mother's womb. And he understands why you have all these different gifts inside of you. And he knows how to orchestrate them and coordinate them. And he knows the timing of their development. The only way to truly maximize you is to follow the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we've said 2019 is the year of the Spirit. A year when you are going to be uh, following him being led by him, leaning on him more than ever before in your life. And I know that growing up, you know, spirits were a kind of a weird thing. We never talked about that. And even now it might sound strange to you. But when you come to know Christ, you realize there is a spirit realm. It's not weird. It's not spooky. It's not strange. It is different. It is uh, largely unknown by most people, but it is very real. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us that everything that was made in this natural realm, everything that was seen, came from the unseen realm of the Spirit. God is a spirit, Jesus taught us in John chapter 4. And those who worship him, worship him in spirit and truth. So it's time to not be afraid of spiritual things. It's time to become an expert in them. You. It's time for you to be discerning. Now we know that just because something is spiritual doesn't mean it's from the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught us very clearly there are fallen angels, demons, in the earth and that Satan is the God of this world. That was never God's plan. It happened through man's sin. And it's not always going to be that way. There will come an end to that. But right now, Satan is the God of this world. But through faith in Christ and following the Holy Spirit, Satan will not be able to touch you. When you hear messages like this, it will clarify things in your life. The Holy Spirit is your coach. One of the reasons I like to watch football is I like coaching. I never coach, but I like, I like that position where someone is looking at the whole picture, looking at all the gifts on the team, and then directing that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He knows all of us in this room right now. He knows every gift inside of you, the ones you haven't even discovered yet. 
And he wants to direct and coordinate them and orchestrate them and create something that's beautiful beyond what we've dreamed of or imagined. The Holy Spirit is your coach. He is. He's your life coach. It's time to know his voice. It's time to know his nature. It's time to know his leading in your life. In fact, the word paraclete, I don't know if I'm saying it right in the Greek in the New Testament, literally means your counselor, your comforter, your helper, your intercessor, your advocate, your strengthener, and your standby. Where does the Holy Spirit want to lead you? Into the fullness of your destiny. There is a God-given divine destiny inside of you that is groaning to come out. The world has no idea what it is. That's why it's so important not to take the advice of a man or a woman, but to hear from the Holy Spirit for yourself. No one can say to you what he can say to you. I'm amazed at how the Holy Spirit will say three words to me. It changes the next 20 years of my life. I don't know how he does that, but he does. Just a little phrase, a little prompting, and all of a sudden I have what I need to win. He wants to lead you into your destiny. Now, that means that could be in a certain field of business or industry or entertainment. I don't know. He knows. But the foundation of whatever that is, first and foremost, is a healing, life-producing, transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of your destiny. Whatever field you go, you, the Holy Spirit leads you into. If you're not in this vibrant relationship with the one who made you, you're not going to go all the way. The world may applaud you. You may have achievements and accolades, but you're not going to maximize yourself. In fact, the Holy Spirit is so wise. He's perfect wisdom, obviously. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He wants to bring you into a relationship with Jesus where Jesus is so real to you, you are completely absorbed in him. Your attention is occupied with his love for you. Your full person is leaning on him. And you are desiring him more than anything else and anyone else. If you'll let your coach do it, he'll do it in your life. He'll lead you there. Your coach knows how to get you where you need to be. Can we put up, uh, Eden, I think in the announcements uh, presentation, there's a picture of our homepage website. Let's put that homepage up there with the car zipping over the bridge. Can you put that up there? I don't know if you can see that, but if you go to our website, that's the homepage. You know what that picture is right there? That's me driving to church on a Sunday morning. (laughs) No. That's you moving forward, following the Holy Spirit. I like it. It looks like the flash. No one will get you to your destination quicker than the Holy Spirit. No one. 
No one runs faster than him. He broke the four-minute mile a long time ago. <laughs> so how's the Holy Spirit going to get you there? How's he going to lead you into an intimate relationship with Jesus where you're experiencing the abundant life he came to give you? How's he going to get you to your destination? By having a conversation with you. Let's go to Proverbs 18, 21. You see, the Holy Spirit knows how you are made. He's the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows how we function and operate. He knows what works and what doesn't work. And he reveals that to us in the scriptures. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? We've got 37 books in the Old Testament and 29 in the New. Total of 66 books. And you'll find Jesus in every one of them. But you will find specific instructions that will enable you to become strong and move forward. And here's one of the top ones. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wow. I never knew that until I read that maybe 30 years ago. No one told me that. I was told that death and life are up in heaven somewhere in the power of this mysterious God's hand and you never know when he's going to give you either one of them. That's not true. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whose tongue? Your tongue. That means you have control over your life. How many people have their driver's license? Isn't it great to be able to drive and get in a car and go where you want to go? I don't think I got mine until I was 17, but I was actually driving when I was 14. I didn't tell my parents. I'd take my friends' cars and take off. But man, it's a big deal when you can, when you can get where you need to go, Right? Your tongue will take you there. I'm saying this. The Holy Spirit wants to give you a new conversation. He wants to teach you a new language. It's a language of life. It's a language of love. It's a language of purpose. It's a language of destiny. Put up James chapter 3, starting in verse 3. And this is how the Holy Spirit says it here through James. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. That's amazing, isn't it? If you ever sat on a horse, I mean, they could flip you through the air just by, you know, twitching. They're so strong. Yet you just do this, and they turn. Amazing, right? Their mouth directs their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot desires, here's the key, verse 5, 
even so the tongue. Your tongue is the rudder of your life. For good or bad, it really is up to us. Your life will follow after the things that you say and believe regularly, whether they're good or bad. If you believe that you're a failure, that you're not going to make it, that there's really something wrong with you and, and, and you're just not like everybody else and um, no one loves you and God doesn't care for you, that's going to be the direction you go. Not because any of it's true, but because your tongue's the rudder. And boy, the Lord started to unveil this to me decades ago and it just changed my life. And he's, the, Holy Spirit start, the Holy Spirit started to make me aware of what I was actually saying. And he started, why are you saying that? Why are you saying it's not going to work out? Why are you saying, oh, I know how that's going to end up? It hasn't happened yet. That's a negative faith. See, faith can be positive or negative. But our tongue determines this direction. So the Holy Spirit wants to coach your life. He wants to teach you how to talk. Because he knows if he can direct your tongue, he can direct your life. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What was the first evidence, the first sign of that? They began praying in other tongues, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told them, I don't want you to go anywhere and do anything until you receive that. I want your tongue charged by the Holy Spirit. I want your tongue empowered by the Spirit of God before you try and do anything for me. Now, what is a conversation? Have you ever thought about it? I mean, we're living in an age where there's more conversations available to you every day than ever before. But what really is going on in a conversation. I want to define a conversation this way. A heart exchange. Every conversation that is presented to you is an invitation to exchange hearts. Why do I say that? Put Luke 24 up there, start in verse 15. Now this is just after Jesus supernaturally, this is Luke 24, I'm sorry, what did I say? You know, 24 verse 15. There we go. Awesome. No, that's not it. I have the wrong scripture up there. Yeah, okay, let me, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Yeah, that's good. Yes, this is it. I'm sorry. I was getting ahead of myself, but I'm not ahead of myself, so I'm okay. I'm going to keep going. So, verse 15. This is we looked at last week where the two disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus. They were going the wrong way. They should have been in Jerusalem. But they were having a conversation that was leading them away from where they needed to be. So they're, they're, uh, they're talking. It says, while they conversed, while they exchanged hearts and reasoned. Jesus himself came near to them. Jesus is concerned about the conversations we're having. 
because he knows how important they are. And, you know, I, I'm thankful for the technology we have, and I, I, you know, and I need to get better at social media, but um, it's just I'm working on it. But anyway, um, every time I go on, because uh, I, I don't know how many friends, the, the Facebook term friends are on my wall, but it's, it's over a 1,000. So when I go on, I'm just presented with a bunch of conversations. I don't have time to look at those. I don't. What I, what I initially looked at Facebook as, this is an opportunity just to present good news to people. And there was a time in my life, I don't do it now, but every morning at 6 a.m. I had a post uh, where there was a scripture or just a, a positive declaration for people to grab a hold of. But that's how I look at it. It's an opportunity to bring life and communicate life. But, you know, I'll, I'll open my phone, I'll look and say, there's a lot of conversations here. Yeah. Thousands and thousands and millions of conversations. Yeah. But there's a whole lot of them I don't need to be involved in. Because they're going to send me in a different direction. I need to be in Jerusalem. I don't want to be walking to Emmaus. You hear what I'm saying? So Jesus, here they're having this conversation that's leading them in the, in the wrong direction, and Jesus shows up. And, but they can't recognize him because their conversation is wrong. And in verse 17, he says to them, what kind of conversation is this? I want you to ask yourself that question as we're following the Holy Spirit in 29. What kind of conversations are you entering into? Are they leading you deeper into a relationship with Christ? Or are they discouraging you and causing confusion and, 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 and um, maybe bringing doubt or anxiety in your life? A conversation is an invitation to exchange hearts. Now, that doesn't mean if I'm talking about the weather, I'm exchanging my heart with someone. But even in that, my faith is active. So I'm out somewhere and someone says something about the temperature and I might say, I might just kind of laugh and say, well, I think it's going to clear up tomorrow. I didn't say anything about Jesus and that doesn't mean I go around quoting scriptures to people. It just means before I enter into something, my faith is engaged. I'm, I'm very conscious of every word that's spoken in my world, in my atmosphere. And I'm in control of that. I'm not going to tell people what they can and can't say. They can say whatever they want to me, and I'm going to love them, but I'm not going to let something come out of here that opens the door for something in my life. All right? I'm going to control this atmosphere around me by letting the Holy Spirit govern my tongue. Now, hey, you make a mistake. God's graceful, but this is our focus. Look what Jesus said about this heart exchange in Luke 6.45. Luke 6.45. This is so good. A good man out of the good treasure of his what? Heart. Brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his what? Heart. So what's in the heart is not automatically good or evil. It all depends on what you choose to put in there, Right? For out of the abundance of the heart. Man, I never knew this connection. I just thought the mouth was just, you know, on its own. It's not. Out of the abundance of the heart, 
His mouth speaks. Nothing will help you follow the Holy Spirit more than your mouth. See, oftentimes it's taught that the Holy Spirit is trying to like kind of kind of like trying to find water with a divining, or what do they call those divining rods or something? You're just walking around. Okay, is he there? Is he there? <laughs> Following the Holy Spirit is as simple as believing what he's already said. The more I get his word into my mind and heart, the more I'll hear his voice. And the converse is true. The less of his word I have in my heart, the less I'm going to hear his voice. That's why this time together is so important. These scriptures, knowing the scriptures is so important. Not as a bunch of rules, but looking for the heart of Jesus. We're going to see that in just a moment. Look at Romans 10, 9, and 10. It also gives us this connection, this, this death and life power connection. It says in Romans 10, chapter 9, that if you confess with your mouth, it's up here, right? The Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, it's down here, that God is raised from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart down here, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth up here, confession is made or conversation is made that produces salvation. It's this simple key that will absolutely change your life. Your heart and your mouth. There's no... Now, you, you might every now and then get a leading of the Holy Spirit... But if you want to consistently follow him, if you want to maximize your potential and go all the way, it's with your heart and your mouth, lining up with his heart and his mouth. See, the conversation that's most important to me is my conversation with Jesus. Nothing more important. Because I want his heart to be in mine. I want that heart exchange. So God wants to have a conversation with you. So Jesus hears the conversation of these two disciples and he realizes they're going the wrong way. And let's take a look. He gives them a, a clue, a key to the scriptures. Let's go back to Luke 24. And let's grab a hold of this key in our own lives because it will have the same effect on us. So the path of our lives follows the conversations we consider important. I want you to hear that, okay? The path of our life follows the conversations that we have esteemed as important. Is it possible to esteem an ungodly conversation as important? Sure. I remember I had teachers I would hear after I came to know Christ. And I heard some of the things that these highly educated people were saying. And it was very ungodly. And I thought, how could someone read as many books as they've read and know so little? And it happens over and over and over again. So I'm not looking for someone with credentials and degrees. I'm looking for someone who knows the heart of the Father. And when I meet someone like that, I begin to esteem that conversation. 
That's the opposite of what man. Man tells you, if you complete these steps, I'm going to certify you with this certificate or degree, and now your conversation is meaningful. It's not true. No one can give you what God can give you. You can't go to a school, you can't get a degree and a certification to get the heart of God. It comes by choosing him, spending time with him, and believing what he's already said. That's good news. I don't have to go anywhere to become certified. I just have to listen to him and let his heart be in me. So here it is, Jesus comes to them, and um, let's back up a little bit in verse 23. Uh, for time's sake, I'm going to kind of go through this quickly. But we know this is the, the resurrection day, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But these two disciples didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Now, they were hoping that he might rise from the dead, but they didn't see him they thought basically he was, all of their hopes and dreams were shattered because Jesus, their leader and teacher, had been crucified and buried. And they're walking away from Jerusalem, which is where they're supposed to be. And they're, they're, you know, and if they would have had phones, they would have been tweeting and, you know, and posting stuff saying, man, I don't know what happened. And we thought this was going to happen and it didn't. You know, hashtag, I'm really, I'm really ticked off or whatever, you know. Or they would have been hashtagging and all kinds of stuff. And, and Jesus hears them speaking, and one of the first things out of his mouth in verse 25, he says to them, Oh, foolish one, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. What was determining the speed of their heart? Their conversation. Your conversation determines the speed at which you experience him. Man, this is good. We went down to Nashville, my wife and I, for a surprise anniversary trip, and we rented a, a black Mustang. And I, I loved the, the, the cockpit of that thing, man. It was, I guess it was a 2018. And uh, it was a 2019. It was 2019. And I gave my wife the keys and said, you drive. Because last time we had one, I, I didn't let her drive. I drove it the whole time. So. <laughs> but I loved the cockpit of that thing, man. It told you exactly how fast you were going. And we could hit 60 in a very short period of time. <laughs> didn't feel like 60. And 97 didn't feel like 97, did it? <laughs> Not that we would actually drive that fast. Maybe. It'll be our little secret, okay? <laughs> I mean, how can you get in a car like that and not see what it can do? Come on! <laughs> Obviously, you, you do it responsibly, right? So anyway, your conversation determines the speed at which your heart hears from him. So I can gauge how well I'm hearing from him by what I'm talking about. Wow, this is really good. They were slow of heart to believe because their conversation was gumming up the works of what the Holy Spirit was. He's trying to say, go back to Jerusalem. He's risen. Get back there, man. You're going to miss it. And they're there. <laughs> Jesus says, you're slow of heart. You need to change your conversation. Look what he says. Slow of heart to believe. Not what I'm telling you now, but what? All that the prophets have already spoken. What's he talking about? The scriptures. It was already written what was going to happen. 
They didn't need anything new to be told them. It was already given them. The best investment you could ever make is to buy a hard copy Bible, a hard copy Bible, and eat this thing. But he gives us a key. Don't just read it. you got to find Jesus in it. There are scores of people that read this thing and are so lost and bound and grumpy. You've got to find Jesus, and Jesus gives us that key that changes our conversation. Verse 26 so the prophets, what the prophets talk about? They talked about Christ rising from the dead. He said, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And look what Jesus did. This is the risen Christ now. You would think he would have done something more special to convince them of his resurrection. What does he do? He goes through the scriptures with them. Nothing is more exciting than seeing Jesus in this book. I'm telling you, it's not dead. It's better than the greatest movie you've ever watched. If you can find Jesus in this book, you've got it made. Yes. So beginning with Moses, that's the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. Remember, they didn't have the New Testament yet. It wasn't written. It was being written as they were living. And all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning themselves. Go to verse 31. Then their eyes were opened. You see, if you'll look for Jesus in the scriptures, your eyes will be open. And I remember at age 19, someone was talking to me about the Bible, and I said, I'll tell you what, if you get me one, I'll read it. They came back the next day with one in their hand. <laughs> they handed it to me. I didn't know what to do with it. I said, what do I do with this? They said, why don't you open the book of John? It's in the New Testament. It's the fourth book, the Gospel of John in the New Testament. I said, okay, but I went, I went back to my room and I laid that book on my desk and I put my hand and said, God, if this is you, show me. Reveal yourself to me as I read. I didn't know and understand. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't understand the scriptures. And I opened the book of John, but I was doing it in faith. I was believing that God would speak to me. And I read starting in John chapter 1, and I couldn't get enough, and Christ just began to leap off the page to me. And it was like Jesus everywhere I read. Then my eyes were open. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us. So after this conversation, Jesus opens up the scriptures, and this is the key. He gave them the key to fulfilling their destiny. Find Jesus in the scriptures. It's that simple. I wish I could tell you that every church you go to will help you do that, but they won't. Often what you'll, what you'll hear are religious tradition that will just leave you uh, where you're at. You need the living Jesus. This is just a written book. It's, it's paper and ink, but it was, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the living Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, but it, he's written about in here. This is the written word of God inspired by him. And you absolutely need this in your heart if you're going to fulfill your destiny. Okay? All right. Let's see how far we can get before we wrap this thing up. Hallelujah. So it was a conversation with Jesus that changed the direction they were going. If they wouldn't have had that conversation with Jesus, 
they would have missed their destiny. If they wouldn't have found Jesus in the scriptures, they would have continued in the wrong direction. God wants to have this same conversation with you daily. He wants to reveal Christ to you daily in the scriptures and as you go throughout your life. So have you seen Jesus in the scriptures? I'm going to give you a few examples. John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus said this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. That's the New Testament, book of John. He said, I'm the door of the sheep. And he likens them to verse 9. He says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. Verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. How do you find Jesus in the scriptures? Study him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and then look through the rest of the Bible for him. Does that phrase, I am the good shepherd, call to mind anything in the Old Testament for you? I am the good shepherd? What, what shepherd do you know in the Old Testament? How about Psalm 23? Sure, Psalm 23. Uh, what does it say? The Lord is my shepherd. Talking about Jesus, isn't it? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. You see how we find Jesus in the scriptures? We just read what he said in John chapter 10. And then when we're reading Psalms, all of a sudden we come across Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, that's Jesus. I just found Jesus in the scriptures. Now I know what Jesus will do for me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. So Jesus will remove lack from my life. You see how this works? See how we're finding Jesus in the scriptures? He said, I'm the good shepherd. When I read through the scriptures, his words are my filter. That's right. And when I come across words that match his character and his nature, I find Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. What does Jesus do? He makes me lie down in green pastures. If you're a sheep, you got it made, right? What's, what's that mean? He makes me experience his provision. And it's a restful thing. He makes me lie down in places of plenty. That's what he right? He, he makes me uh, lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside restful waters. So I see just by reading Psalm 23 that, that, God, that Jesus' yoke is restful. It's restorative. It strengthens and refreshes me. Isn't that good? We're finding Jesus in the scriptures. What's the next verse say? Verse 3. He restores my soul. What is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. So I see it's Jesus' will to restore my soul. My mind, my will, and my emotions. Wow. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm getting to know Jesus through Psalm 23. Isn't that awesome? So I know where he's going to lead me in passive righteousness. Right? He's going to lead me into a deeper relationship with him. He leads me in passive righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Where's that at? Planet Earth. Right? You're in it, baby. It's a dark place. Death is around every corner on this planet. I know the earth is not a square, but you know what I mean. 
corner. <laughs> okay, anyway, death, even though, we could say it this way, even though I'm living in this world, because Jesus is my personal shepherd, I will fear no evil. See, we're finding Jesus. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For Christ, the risen Christ, is with me. His rod and staff protect and comfort me. So the will of God is all, very clear in Psalm 23. It's not very clear in all parts of the Bible. There's a lot in this book. And it's all good, but some of it in there is telling us what's not the will of God. So you can't just read the Bible and blindly accept everything you read as the will of God because there's stuff in there telling you how not to live, what God's will is not for your life. Okay? Psalm 23 reveals Jesus to us and tells us about his will. So, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. I'm not afraid of anything because he's protecting me. Uh, thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. He's prepared a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Yes. Who are my enemies? Not people. Satan and his demons. Where are they in the earth? We're in the presence of demonic activity. But God, Jesus, has prepared a table for me in the midst of it all. Which means I'm well provided for. I'm eating well in the midst of it all. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. The oil, Holy Spirit. Now we're seeing the Holy Spirit. We're anointed by the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Spirit of God in us and upon us causes our cup to run over. To be prosperous. What's the last verse? Uh, verse 6. Surely. So there's no doubt about what Jesus will do in my life. Surely. It's a fact. It's certain. I can bet my whole life on it. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in Christ forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we just found Jesus in the scriptures. Isn't that amazing how that changes your life? Now I have, I have specific details. I have a very clear instruction and description of what he's going to do for me. Listen, if you don't know what Jesus wants to do for you, you don't know him. Knowing him, knowing what he wants to do for you is, is part of knowing him. I know what my wife wants to do for me because I know her. See, knowing him means you know his heart, you know his intention, you know his will, you know his purpose. It's a sad thing when, when ministers are telling people that everything that happens is God's will and that God put that sickness on someone to teach them something. When none of that's true, that's not the heart of God, it's not the will of God, it's not the purpose of God. He came that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. That's his purpose. It's Satan that steals and kills and destroys. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, there is just so much good stuff here. I feel like I walked into a pantry just overflowing with my favorite food. It's so good. Let's do one more and then we'll close. Let's keep finding Jesus in the scriptures. John 8, chapter 12. 
John 8, chapter 12. This is Jesus talking. This is New Testament. What does he say? I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. How can we, now we know that Jesus is the light, that brings me back, because I've read the scriptures, to another light scripture, Psalm 27.1. What does that say? The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? That's Jesus, isn't it? Now I know that he's my salvation. That word means wholeness and safety. The Lord is my wholeness and safety. I have no one to be afraid of. The Lord is my strength. He is the very strength that is in my body and mind and spirit. Of whom shall I be afraid? So I want to encourage you this week to find Jesus in the Scriptures. Find Him in the Scriptures so that the Holy Spirit can lead you more clearly. You don't need to go away to some foreign land and isolate yourself. Your house will be just fine. Your apartment will be just fine. But turn the TV off. Put your phone in another room. Get your hard copy Bible. Read Jesus. I'm going to do one more. Colossians 3.3. I've got to get this one in. Colossians 3.3, New Testament, says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What's that remind you of? Your life being hidden with Christ in God. What's Psalm 91 say? Verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Who's the secret place? Jesus. See, it opens up all these promises when you begin to see Him in the Scriptures. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you. So much for your amazing love. Holy Spirit, reveal Christ to us in the Scriptures so that you can lead us with greater clarity and certainty so that our hearts can follow after you without hindrance and interference. Holy Spirit, we give you our tongue we give you the conversations of our life and ask you to govern our tongue. Teach us how to talk. Teach us to speak your heart and to only participate in conversations that are edifying for those who hear. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.